What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to your December 14th episode of the OBR Film Breakdown, brought to you by FanDuel. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are joined by Jared Mueller for our every single Wednesday episode, where we break down the Browns' recent performance, talk about some burning questions surrounding the team, and do a little bit of outlook as we normally do as well. Jared, what's up? Welcome in, man. How are you? You know, I'm doing all right. It it's almost feels refreshing to almost be done with the playoff hopes and really just be able to focus on next year. Obviously, it's like 1%, but... You know, just to be able to go, okay, we know what it is. We don't have to pretend like, oh, the 6% and start really focusing on 2024 or whatever, 2023. Uh, There is something to that that actually feels good to have kind of a direction, sadly. Yeah, let's let's dig into that question there a little bit uh, later. Well, uh, there's a lot there about looking at 2023. Uh, We'll we'll touch on that sort of towards the end. But the first question, we're going to dive into these quick guys. We're going to hit on everything I, I really should get your reaction as we normally do before we get to the questions though Jared so they lose 23 10 I don't know if that's what you're expecting it felt like to me going into this one it was the most lopsided feeling like the Browns were going to lose from people who cover the team and those who I, I have conversations with and it, and it manifested itself but I think it's pretty fair to say that they were I think collectively even better than the one the week before that they lost or sorry, that they went into the Houston and won. I actually thought they were better this week than last week, but the results obviously flipped a little bit here. But what are your what are your takeaways from it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's obviously uh, that the Bengals made sure they shut down the run game, and so Watson played better. The defense played fine. Um, you know, we saw that Houston played Dallas pretty well, so it puts it in a little bit of a different perspective, even though they had a different quarterback this week than the week before when they played Cleveland. I just think it it's a team that played fine. Um, but the Bengals defense, specifically the defensive line really shut things down and then penalties, especially on the one drive with the, the punt, um, uh, running, roughing the kicker, all that kind of stuff just really kind of derailed, uh, the team overall. So, uh, a game that they never really felt to be in after that first drive failed. Um, but a game that, you know, if they punch that in or just get the field goal and they don't rough the punter, could be significantly different, right? Which is really weird to say, but again, just two simple plays um, that could have, that really could have made the difference in the ball game. Yeah. Those are those non-winning plays we talk about where it felt like Tony Fields has been coached about how to take the football off the punter's foot or don't dive at all his whole football life. And he dives directly with a terrible angle right into the (laughs) stomach of Drew Chrisman. So that, that part of that is whole, the whole thing is frustrating. Um, 
a bunch of missed opportunities. And as we've gone back and broken down the tape, I think you can see where the Browns offense left points on the field and some of the failed defensive adjustments that hurt them uh, later on uh, as the game wore on. And obviously Cincinnati missed time from their two second best receivers behind Jamar Chase. So that sort of launches us into our first question. Was the defense actually better this week or not? I think they were. I think Miles and I mean, broke the missed part of a 23-10 score is how dominant Miles and Clowney were together for the first time in the same game, and they made life on the Bengals' offense hell. I mean, they were extremely good, uh, beat up Lyle Collins, beat up Jonah Williams, as they seem to continually do, uh, those two in these games against the Bengals when they're on the field together. They were really good, but the football got out of the hands of Burrow quick enough, often enough, to alleviate some of that. But again, they held him to 23 points. You talk about some of those gnarly penalties. One of those drives, they're off the they're off the field. Uh, you know, no large part thanks to the special teams putting them back on the field. I didn't think they were bad. I think I even tweeted about this, Jared, where I said personnel wise they were okay. Perrion Winfrey, Taven Bryan played better than ever. The uh, albatross here was how they covered the pass. And and when you lose Tyler Boyd on the second play from scrimmage, and when you lose uh, T Higgins as early as they did, the 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 inability to track Jamar Chase 15 targets double digit catches 115 yards I think is what he ended with there was nobody else in the field that was even remotely a threat and and like the inability to put Jamar Chase in difficult situations being bracketed doubled whatever and make Trent Irwin and the other Trent that was out there I can't even think of his Taylor. name caught my head yeah Taylor beat you and uh, I think it was Wilcox playing tight end for them like those three should have been like, oh, if we lose to those three, we do. Now, you, you know, the, the uh, uh, what do you call it? The flea flicker is what obviously hurt them as well. And that was to one of the trends. But like the, the thing to me is I just didn't feel like they adjusted to Jamar Chase being out there and the being the only real threat. And that helped Burrow stay comfortable. I wanted to make Burrow as uncomfortable as they could. And they were unable to do that by taking away the routes that that should have been taken away, in my opinion. A lot of a lot of short stick routes, uh, some some deep outs that I thought I was really frustrated that they didn't over under him uh, in those situations. And really, it speaks to Denzel just not being able to handle. I mean, I don't know. I think he's a completely different player this year. He seems to lack confidence. He's a beat late so many times, especially that touchdown. But several times on deeper routes from Chase, he's in off coverage bailing and is late to break and they're easy throws I guess my thing is they played okay but it was really an indictment on this defensive staff being unable to identify on the fly a way to make the Bengals super uncomfortable because the opportunity was there Jared yeah absolutely and I think that goes back to our conversation about Joe Woods obviously talent scheme all that stuff is vital but it, it just all kind of works together or doesn't work together Right. And and in this case, it almost feels a lot like Greg Williams back in the day where he would send, you know, cover zero, cover one, and then he'd have his corners 10 yards off, right? In bail coverage on third and three. Like it just it just didn't make sense. Jamar Chase should not not have been available for 15 targets, right? Like Joe Burrow's a smart quarterback. Yes, he's gonna force some to chase, but he should not have been available for 15 targets. Obviously, Joe Mixon getting 14 carries for 96 yards. That's a good production, but it's not like he was running all over the place, you know, on the Browns on a regular basis like we've seen yeah. in some weeks. And some of it, that was late, right? And like yeah, just, exactly. Yeah. You run to you run to seal the game. You don't run to win the game. 
but you're exactly right. Jamar Chase, everything should have been about Jamar Chase, you know, you know, whatever that looks like bracketing double, uh, just having somebody, you know, like you said, over under all of that, but it just seemed like the Bengals knew what was going to happen and Jamar Chase was going to get his and he did. And, and it feels like a failure of scheme. It also, uh, seems to explain why someone like Denzel Ward just isn't confident, right? Uh, if this isn't, if this scheme or this position you're putting me in doesn't work, how am I going to feel confident in even doing it much less, um, actually being successful in whatever I'm doing. So, um, you know, it's a both and not an either or, uh, but the defense played better and still just were not put in a position, uh, to, to, to do what they need to do specifically against chase. Yeah, that's the frustrating part is I can't tell with Denzel if this is a schematic thing or if it's a it's just it's such a wildly different year than he's ever had. And he's had two years with Joe Wood. So I'm just I'm concerned. I'm concerned about, you know, you pay that guy. You should be able to give him a a wide receiver and feel relatively confident for what they paid him that he can handle that job. And this game was just an indictment on the fact that there clearly isn't and ability to handle it. I think he gave up five of nine for 70 yards to chase alone. And I, I don't know. I, I've just, it's been one of the bigger disappointments of this year. So uh, we'll hope that Denzel and the many years he has left in Cleveland figures out a way to put forth a better effort, especially against those receivers such as Jamar, who are going to be in the division and a problem for a long time. So we're going to take our first break. We get back from the break. We got some bigger philosophical questions now that the playoffs are pretty much out of the window. So we'll be right back. Hey guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when, when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus. Right, get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app, safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. You've got to be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, first question is the linebacker room. JOK today put on IR. Seems like he'll be out for a while. There's a bit of ambiguity around what that foot injury actually is, but nonetheless, you're talking a minimum of four weeks, which is the end of the season. So two years in a row, he had the sprained ankle against... Arizona last year that was a bit freaky he landed he was coming down from making a tackle and it just rolled up on him he missed time there he also I think missed a little bit of time when he in that Chargers game last year had gotten his neck hit in a weird way he missed time this year he's missed a game this year I cannot remember off the top of my head some of the stuff he's dealt with this year you start to talk about smaller linebackers difficulty of taking a beating in a 17 game schedule are you concerned about JOK or do you think this is sort of a, an acceptable measure of a smaller linebacker that he's going to miss a little bit of time here and there? I, I think it's an interesting situation now, two years in and seeing how many games he's played. Yeah, I think twofold. One, I think, and we've talked about this, uh, getting some quality defensive tackles or the defensive tackles to play quality will be helpful, right? He is getting people are getting to him that you don't want to get to a smaller linebacker, right? You want Tony Saragusa to be, you know, taking up two or three offensive linemen. So JOK is not getting hit. Uh, So I think some of that could help him down the road. But I think, again, there is a, there is a trade-off much like, you know, the Ted Ginns of the world where you're going to get some drops, but you're going to get some big explosive plays. When you have a smaller linebacker like that, um, you're going to, you're going to have a little bit of a risk. It's kind of similar to some of the health issues with Denzel Ward. He's a little bit of a smaller, uh, slighter kind of cornerback. I think you you put up with that uh, because of the talent, but you also have to put that talent in the right spot to be successful. And when you don't have the defensive tackles, and then you know, right now he's the fourth linebacker uh, put on IR, you really just aren't surrounding that kind of player with he's just not likely to be successful, right? That's it's not how it's going to work. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're going to expect him to miss a game or two most seasons, uh, but you also have to get him some protection uh, from some big physical dudes up front. Yeah. You minimize maybe a couple hits here and there and you downcrease the um, downcrease is what I said there. You That's downturn. A it's, a, it's a new word. I'm making it up. You turn down the number <laughs> of hits in a season, maybe 20%. That helps, right? Maybe. I don't know. It's not like he's dealing with like beat up shoulders, which are a long term problem. He's sort of dealing with two weird foot issues. And I don't necessarily think they're an indictment of he can't handle the load of playing linebacker. Put it that way. I think he would Mm -hmm. even as a DB. This is something that can pop up on occasion in a physical sport. They will certainly miss him even with whoever plays quarterback for Baltimore. They'll miss him in this one. And and the final few as well. It's not really necessarily the the uh, opposing offenses I'm so worried about as they close out the season, as I'm worried about the defense. So let's just start with this big kicker: nine and eight versus eight and nine, seven and ten. Right? Like that to me is an interesting question because that also sort of plays hand in hand with this building momentum toward the frustration with Kevin Stefanski. And now it seems like we've gone from like a thirty seventy split to a 40-60 split to like almost a 42-68 uh, you know, <laughs> here where you're, you're, you're talking about um, that it would actually be more than 100, I think 58. 58. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, big time folks. Math guy. Math. But um, what I'm getting at is it's a shift, and it feels like these final four games, people are wanting to see progress from the offense. The 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 Commanders play great defense. Saints play great defense. Baltimore does, and we know Pittsburgh will always put up a fight defensively. Those teams are some of the better teams across the league defensively. Not not great, but you you know the talent is strong, and they will give Cleveland some trouble. And I start to wonder as this stuff grows: is there a path here between the records and how it plays out to Stefanski being gone now? I think the obvious caveat is, well, if the offense plays really well and the defense is terrible, no, nah, it's all good. They can figure it out and move on from Joe Woods. But I do think in these games, the offense is going to be tight. I wrote about it extensively and posted this evening about how they just need more time. And there are so many conclusions being drawn after two games that people don't understand how this whole thing is shifting in the in the true change in what they're doing and the, and the time it will take for Kevin and Deshaun and then everybody around them to adjust to something because you got to remember and I'm sure you would agree with me Jared they win 11 games of what Kevin's always done 11 games of pretty much the same Kirk Cousins to Baker Mayfield (laughs) type of product what they were trying to accomplish based on who was leading the offense and they are shifting that the personnel usage much higher in 11 personnel the introduction of RPOs read options different types of volume from different looking spots on the field in terms of shotgun. They're moving away. Now that's always been the risk. I think the risk they thought is we could do this with, you know, maybe 10 games instead of six. Right. So like mm-hmm. you, you, the, the, this, this whole thing is just, it feels like it's shifting on something that people aren't philosophically understanding is going to take some time. So I'm sort of looking for where you feel, like I think if we asked this question weeks ago, which I think we did, Jared, if you felt like Kevin was going to be back no matter what, I think we both said yes. But it feels like there's a shift here toward people really trying to move on. And I don't know if that idea is going to catch steam. And I guess I'm looking at what sort of record means that they would consider that seriously. Yeah, and I, I think in the end, the Browns need to win out uh, for a variety of reasons. I wrote it up on Dogs by Nature, so that's people can find that. But I think in the end... I don't know if the record as much as the performance is going to matter. Um, it's always important to recognize that Andrew Barry was hired by Kevin Stavansky. I mean, at least he was a part of the process in that order. And so it's really interesting to hear everything kind of going or most things going towards Kevin Stavansky versus Andrew Barry or both, right? Alignment was such an important part of this process And so when Joe Woods and Stefanski and AVP and Barry and uh, Dee Podesta are meeting throughout the week and putting together a plan, it all kind of works together. And so it feels like an all or nothing kind of thing with this uh, kind of grouping as a whole, um, at least when it comes to Barry, Stefanski, Dee Podesta, um, maybe not so much with Woods. But I think a 9-8 record sets the Browns up for Jadavion Clowney wants to return, sets them up for uh, free agent veterans who maybe go say, hey, we can help take them over the top for one year. You know, we're 33, 34 kind of years old and let's let's go there and see what we can do kind of thing. Um, but I think for Kevin Stefanski, the fan concepts are, are and struggles are are growing right they're growing because of one and two plays 
They're growing not because the Browns lost to a really, really good Cincinnati Bengals team. They're growing because Jacoby Brissett threw that ball. And now, and some people, I believe Jason Lloyd was one who said somebody else was supposed to be on the field, Harrison Bryant, I believe, instead of uh, Farrell Brown. And which Kevin debunked and I had to debunk too. That was just a ridiculous notion. I, I figured it was, people. but people hear things, see things, listen to things. And then all of a sudden it's, well, yes, they should have, they should have, this could have all of that kind of stuff. Tony Fields runs into the punter and we've talked about this with Joe Woods. Let's just be very clear. The Browns do not train Tony Fields to turn sideways and go full body uh, crisscross applesauce with the freaking punter, right? Like that is not the goal. That is not trained. That is not what they tell them to do, but he did it anyways. And so, you know, there are just so many things about discipline and um, you know, all I guess, that. I guess too, Jared, it's yeah. like there are people who have been relatively vocally supportive of Kevin yep. all of a sudden now want him gone. Did they think that they were going to get Watson back and just, just it would take off, not taking into account, looking at the film, understanding <laughs> where Watson's still missing some things while also accepting that the rust of a 700 day layoff is going to put itself into the product he's putting on the field. I just don't know what people were expecting in these final games, I still think you can do a lot of the things that we have been talking about, ways to improve the defense and specials, and it's just amazing to me that we're looking at product of the offense and saying this is now this is the final straw. Kevin has to go. I just can't get there personally. Well, and I think, honestly, just off the top of my head, I think the reality is is the only things you remember about Deshaun Watson's play so far in two weeks are the bad things, right? The two interceptions, because there isn't the wow moments yet, right? I, I, we all didn't expect consistency, but I think all of us were like, there's going to be a 40 yard scramble. There is going to be this dart that he throws over the middle of the field that Jacoby Brissett never would have been able to complete, right? I just think there's missing some of the highlights. So the things people remember are they sort of barely beat the Houston Texans kind of with no offense, and they lost to the Cincinnati Bengals, and Deshaun Watson threw two pretty bad interceptions. At least he got fooled or he allowed himself to get fooled, whatever. But they don't have those oh, that's what we signed up for. Those are the draft picks. That's the $230 million. That's what we signed up for. I think missing those highlight real plays is probably the thing that's starting to turn people just because you have nothing else to hold on to except Deshaun Watson from two years ago. Yeah, that's a fact. To the, the, the hold on of like what he used to be versus what he is and the gap between not understanding that gap mm-hmm. is is causing a lot of problems. We're going to take our last break, come back, and then chat on what the end of the year looks like for several of the players on the roster in terms of how much they should be out there. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So they missed the playoffs pretty much. We've said that several times on this pod. That starts to look at who should be on the field and who should be off the field the rest of the year. The question's pretty simple, Jared. Does the opportunity, because I think a large portion of this roster will be back, is the opportunity to win out or go three and one worthwhile to you uh, to risk some guys maybe getting hurt now the worst case scenario is a guy tears an ACL and that lingers into the following season right you don't want that so it's challenging I don't think you're going to see a bunch of Browns quit this week or next week but you know week 17 18 you start to see some guys taking some time off or maybe some manifested injuries right so uh, I think you start to wonder is is the value of from an organizational standpoint pushing forward to winning three to four of these games worth risking potential lingering into next season injuries. I, I personally vote yes. They need, and here's a simple answer for me, and maybe you were already going to say it, but I'll say mine first here. It's like they need as much positive energy as they can find around this franchise, and wins are the only thing that bring positive energy at this point. You know, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the next part of that 23 equation here in a second, but I think the ability to win and get positive feelings outweighs anything going into next year. But that's just me. I think they just, they, they've had so many unmet expectations and so many public relations uh, crises, <laughs> we'll put it that way, that they need wins. That's the only cure right now. Yeah, I think, I don't disagree with you, but I do think for some of the players, it's not going to be about playing or not playing. I know the the black and white nature of that makes a lot of sense, right? The manifested injuries, all that stuff. I think more so it needs to be about snap counts and usage, right? With some of the players, with Nick Chubb, with uh, Jadavion Clowney, with Miles Garrett. I think with some of those players that you're not trying to get rhythms and understandings with uh, Deshaun Watson, maybe even Amari Cooper. Right. Instead of the 60 to 70 snaps, you're at the high 40s, low 50s type of snaps. You're still risking injury. You're still pushing for wins, but you are not wearing on players to try to make the playoffs. So I think it's it's going to be more about ramping down a little bit. Uh, I think besides the offensive line, Nick Chubb hasn't looked himself lately. Is he worn down a little bit? Maybe, but probably not terribly. Um, but why wear him down more? Why not 12, 13, maybe rushes? You don't even have to wear down Kareem Hunt. Get Jerome Ford in there. Get Dearness Johnson in there. Let Johnson and Hunt uh, kind of push up their free agency value because they're both going to be gone next year, most likely. Let that all kind of play itself out. I think it's just got to be about less, not none, um, and that they should believe outside of the Washington game, overall talent-wise, they should be able to win those games, not going away or anything, but they should be able to win those games with limiting some of the snap counts for some of those players. Yeah, so then it, the, then you start talking about you know the, the 23 season. It feels to me like the first time – where you you really have all the chips on the table, right? Yep. You have nothing holding you back. And I think that's a large part of why I do want, you know, Kevin to get another year because a lot of the built-in here's why we are where we are statements in the last few years, 3 4 years have led to this. You've seen what David and Joku, what Miles Garrett, what Denzel Ward and a lot of these key pieces Chubb so on and so forth can be. You now know where they're good, you now know where they struggle. 
they're adults in the business. They're they're big time mature players at this point, even pushing into like they're in the heart of their prime here. And now you have Watson, six games under his belt, 23. Like the 23 season to me, Jared, feels like the first time where any excuse of, hey, they're looking at this to the future. Here's where this is. They're pushing cap off. It is a season of all in for the first time, a stretch that they should have here of all in. And we shouldn't see anything impeding that all in approach. There should be no veteran stone unturned. There should be no excuse built in. I think that is a hundred percent true. Am I missing anything there? Because we've, we can clearly make some excuses for the 21 season, the 22 season and seasons before Baker Mayfield was a veteran, right? You know, cause kind of looked like 20 was the season. And it's like, then you could make excuses for 21. You're making excuses for this year. And some of those excuses are valid excuse. The word excuse gets a, a negative connotation all the time, but there are genuine excuses sometimes. And I think there are some in place, but it finally feels like 23 is the season where you can push every single chip in. And that's where I start to think, are they afraid of resetting the defense because of that? Right. Are they, are there, there's some things here that are going to be interesting decisions, but this is finally it, right? You know, this is where it all sits at the middle, middle of the table chips in and everything. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. 100% next year. There's nothing left, right? There, there is no, we'll see what happens. Even, you know, we've talked about age a lot and some of that kind of stuff. You know, those draft picks in the second round are okay to be 22, 23 or three years old, right? Those, those fourth and fifth round picks, they can be okay at that age as well. They don't have to have the huge upside that if it's a thumper of a linebacker, that guy can be just a thumper of a linebacker that comes in and fills some gaps for two downs. The veterans that are signed to one and two year deals, you know, whatever that is, all of it is on the table. Um, not that they have to spend every, you know, they don't need to, I saw, um, uh, Ian Wharton talked about, they could restructure for like 77 million. I don't think they have to restructure everything and, and spend all that money and all that kind of stuff, but they do have to go all in. They will not have an excuse. They will not be able to say, well, once this, like, this is it. They spent all of their excuses this year, moving on from Mayfield sign trading for and signing to Sean Watson all everything that came with that they have spent all of that 2023 is the season to at least compete for an AFC North and compete for an AFC championship game right like yeah. again there's lots of things that can happen that can make it difficult but they need to be real contenders make the playoffs but real contenders to win the AFC North and to play in the AFC championship game that has to be real that has to be pretty universal across the board. If not, all of the questions are valid. They just are, unless there are five major injuries to five, you know, yeah. of their studs. Yeah. Yeah, Outside of that, of your control stuff. Yeah, yeah, all of that is still on the, the, all of those things are, are then valid questions. And probably at that point, absolutely fine to say it's time to move on. Yeah, I think they probably arrived a little ahead of schedule, but yep. it would have been nice if they would have, as they reset some things here, also still been able to be out in front of this new timeline with Watson this year, right, or something. But I do think they deserve to figure it out. Kevin, at least. Kevin and Andrew deserve to figure it out in this all-in year if it doesn't pan out. And if again, if you have such little faith that you're thinking like, well, why would we risk it and keep Kevin if he's shown us X, Y, and Z? 
then move on. But like, I don't know why you would be there considering some of the stuff they've shown to be effective. But to me, I think those guys deserve it. I hope they get it. And I hope they push in every chip that they have uh, toward everything surrounding 23 and beyond, because anything less, I think you can make excuses why not winning the division has been a thing for a couple years now, but there's no excuse next year. They, they bought, paid, developed enough people here to win division titles. And that has to start being the expectation. So we will see when 23 gets here. Jared, a good talk today, man, a little tight, a little quick, but uh, a good talk here. And we'll continue to do so as we look at the surrounding pieces, the rest of the way, we appreciate you, man. Absolutely, brother. You have a good rest of your week. Big thanks to Jared for showing up and doing the show today. Always appreciate that out of him. Good thought topics, and uh, we always try to balance each other out with the way we look at things, and I think that turns out pretty well. So appreciate him. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Go check out Dogs by Nature, where Jared continues to put out great content. Stop by the OBR uh, and read the piece I put up about the offense and where it might not be where you want it to be, and the reason is probably not what you want to hear but some thoughts on silver linings baked into that and where they're looking into 2023 to get this whole thing right. It's just, there's a lot on the line that probably shouldn't be on the line, but there's a lot on the line the rest of the way this year to make sure we get to that point. So still a lot to play for in these four games. A reminder, you get a Saturday game this week. It's earlier than you expect. We'll adjust the podcast schedule accordingly. Probably not have a Ravens guest because it's a tight week and we'll sort of preview the Ravens throughout the week as we go. So Keep your eye out for that. But listen, appreciate you guys stopping by. Check out the OBR and, um, you know, check out the content that we have there. Check out the podcast we did earlier this week, including the All-22 Breakdown and we got with Quincy Carrier for immediate reaction after the game. Thanks for being here, guys. Appreciate you so much. Have a great Wednesday. And go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.